stay with Tamika. Thank you all so much for joining us for yet another episode of Tuesday with Tamika, where we have four core values, four pillars that this podcast is like built on and stands on if you're new to the podcast. And those four pillars are, we believe in living a life to inspire and not impress. We believe in lifting as we climb. We believe in turning our trials into treasures. And we believe that you have the ability to be fully, fully restored with God, through God, and for God. Now, I have an amazing episode that I think that you guys are really, really going to resonate and sit with. Before I do, you know, I love to give you just an anchoring thought, an anchoring word. And I've been listening to a lot of folks talk about us being in halftime. We are like halfway through the year. I'm a bit of a sports buff. If you have not noticed, all of my kids play sports. So I have three football players. I have a track, a tennis, a dance, a cheerleader. I'm sure I'm missing, I'm missing someone, but all of the kids do all of the things. And what I love about sports is how it like helps us be disciplined, how it helps with community and all those things. But one of my favorite parts is halftime. Halftime, there's a couple of things that happen during halftime. So you usually get a good little show. But you also, this is our time to get refreshed. This is our time to readjust. This is our time to reimagine. And this is also the time for the team to rest. I don't know what you're going through in your life, but I want you to think of those things. We always have the ability to rest. We always have the ability to readjust. We always need to be refreshing ourselves with good things like positive affirmations, the word of God, prayer, refresh yourself. You deserve it. And then also remember that you can be realigned just because we're at that halfway mark of the year does not mean that all your dreams and visions that you said you were going to do this year are a waste. No, this is your time to readjust, get a new game plan if need be, and start all over. I have a feeling that my guest today is really knows a lot about that readjusting, knows a lot about starting over. Because for some of you guys, it's for the year 2023. For others of you, it's for your entire life. You feel like throw the whole life away and let's start all over. Because of trauma, because of those unhealed areas that you haven't worked through. So today, we're going to get into some of that readjustment. We're going to get into ways for us to live our authentic self through an amazing modality that helps us heal. Hey, sis, you have a minute? Hey, sis, sis, you got a minute? Hey, sis, you got a minute? Hey, sis, you got a minute? Hey, sis, you got a minute? I do. Hi, Tamika. Great to be with you today. Awesome. I'm so happy to have you, Brooke. Tell the TWT family a little bit more about you. Sure. My name is Brooke Braylove. I'm a psychotherapist and a licensed clinical social worker in uh, Bethesda, Maryland, which is a little suburb right outside DC. And I've been in private practice for 19 years and I work with adults, couples, groups. Um, I'm a certified Daring Way facilitator, which means that I um, am trained in Brene Brown's Shame Resilience Curriculum. I'm also an ASEC certified sex therapist, which is a lot of fun. Yes. And I am uh, 
a, an advanced practitioner of accelerated resolution therapy or art, which I'm really excited to talk with you about today. Ah, I cannot wait to hear more about that. And any, listen, anyone that loves Brene Brown is, is a friend of mine because there you go. Is like my like gold. You know, I I do not envy a lot of people. I don't envy anyone. And I really don't compare myself to many people. But if there's someone that I would say they're kind of a role model, she's definitely it. She has definitely dialed into the shame and guilt, which I think is one of the reasons why many folks can't get beyond trauma, can't get beyond like, you know, heartbreak or whatever. Let's dive a little bit into that. Like what caused you to follow Brene Brown and, and get certified mm -hmm. into her practice? Yeah. So I was, um, it was 2013, I think I got trained. So um, I was, I think the third certified Daring Way facilitator in the District, Maryland and Virginia. And I think now they're at least 40. Wow. Um, so I was one of the early adopters and actually she stopped training people, um, because it, it just, I think it, it got kind of overwhelming. And of course she's moved on to, you know, Netflix and HBO and small things like that. Star, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I was like everybody else. I saw her Ted talk on, um, you know, the power of vulnerability. And I remember just thinking, yes, yes. And th this woman articulates things that I have always known to be true of myself and of everyone I work with, but yeah. I could never have come up with the language. And I think that's what she's so brilliant at because she's, you can digest it, right? It's not a bunch of touchy feely stuff. It's research-based and it makes sense to a lot of us, right? So um, part of what I do is I offer these uh, weekend intensive workshops for women, which is the weekend's called Daring Greatly. And we'll, we watch these, you know, talking head videos of Brene. And I've led uh, 20 weekends over 19 of them have been for women and one for men. So come on, men, I want some more yes. interest. I'd love to do another one of those. It was very powerful. It's just a little bit harder to, to get folks to join that. But I will just watch these videos over and over and over. And I still am nodding my head as I listen and take in something a little bit different, you know, each time. Yeah, she's really she's really amazing. And, and I think just what you said, right, that um, shame really prevents us from being authentically ourselves. It prevents us from intimacy. Uh, it prevents us from really living the life I think many of us, you know, feel like we were meant to live. Mm -hmm. um, and so we really do a deep dive into shame, vulnerability, trust, authenticity, uh, self-compassion, perfectionism, mm -hmm. which is a huge one. Um, I, I'm sure everywhere, but certainly in the D.C. area, um, for sure. And um, it's a really powerful weekend. You kind of get together in person for two and a half days with a, with some strangers and um, you come out often feeling incredibly close to the women you participated with and, and really just knowing so much more about yourself and, and what is in the way of you showing up, being seen and living brave in your mm -hmm. life. Being seen is so huge and, and really figuring out what's in the way. 
And the work that I do with the women that I'm like truly lucky to share or to serve, it's so interesting to me that the way that they open up with each other and oftentimes they say, I've never said this out loud. Like, I can't believe I'm saying this. Why do you think that is like, we can get in a room full of strangers. Is it the space that's cultivated? Is it the, like, why do, why do we get in spaces of people we don't know? And we're like, like just throwing up all the things and sharing all the things. But then oftentimes with our family and friends, it's harder. Why do you think that is? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, look, at the end of the day, these women can never see each other again. And so I think there's a little safety with that if they choose. By the way, many choose to, you know, form a Facebook group or they have, you know, brunch and take walks and stuff like that. But some people just that, you know, that they sort of come in and they come out and that was that. So I think there's going in, there's the safety of that. Um, But I think this is one of the main points of Daring Greatly which is vulnerability begets vulnerability. Courage is contagious. So I always say somebody gets an award for crying first. Um, And usually, (laughs) sometimes it's me because I I, I do something at the beginning of all my weekends where occasionally I'll, I'll feel sort of emotional about it's a just a reading and Um, but, but usually it's in a few hours, you know, that somebody has already, you know, been very brave and then that creates, you know, a settling in for everyone, a leaning in. And this is what she really teaches, which is vulnerability is the first thing I look for in you. And the last thing I want you to see in me, right? We all relate to that. Yeah, unpack that a little bit because that like made me, all of us, like you said, we all relate to that and we all do it. Yep. What does yep. that, what does that kind of mean? Well, I think it's about, you know, the way I can feel close to you is if you share something that's hard or something intimate or something, you know, personal, you know? I don't feel close to you if we just sit here and talk about the weather all day. And that's a lovely segue into something deeper, but it's really hard to feel close to someone when there's nothing personal involved in the conversation. Mm. So I look for that when I'm talking with people, are they going to be real with me or are they going to just stay above at the sort of chit chat of a cocktail party? Mm. And then but I don't want you to see my vulnerability because often people believe their vulnerability is weakness and it should not be shown to the world. So, but we're all walking around doing the same thing. And again, this this idea to me that somebody's got to go first. And I actually live my life where I am almost always first and I'm okay with that. It's just you who I what? am. That is so funny because that was really going to be my next question. Um, because how you were saying you were one of the first adapters and this new like therapy or theology that Art, you're yep. yeah, you're one of it sounds like you're one of the first adapters, and that's probably a pattern that you've seen. If you can go all the way back in your life, like you're 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 a lot like me, I can tell where we're like, I'll do it, like I'll do it. Like we're the hand raisers in the class. We're yeah. the ones that's are not afraid to go for it. So I want to talk about this new practice that you're doing. But before we do that, this is just really on my mind and I don't want to slip it. 
what are, I don't want it to slip. One of the things that Brene always talks about when she's talking about vulnerability, because I think people think vulnerability is just like bearing your soul and like, Oh, like telling all the things. Right. But she, I love, she gives this example about like a husband and wife and no matter how long they've been married, someone being afraid to be the first one to in, um, uh, initiate intimacy. Yeah. How like that's vulnerability. I, I, it is unbelievable to me over and over again, how talking about sex, initiating sex with, again, partners of, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years is the most vulnerable thing there is. Wow. Because it is so raw. It is such a raw, you know, quote unquote, naked offering (laughs) of self. I mean, really, right? Do you want to be with me Mm. in, in, you know, really right into me? See, that's intimacy. Yep. And so um, it is amazing. Um, And that's why, you know, sometimes can I talk about sex a little bit? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I was like, I don't know. Um, But that sometimes this is why people actually have much more complicated sexual relationships with their long-term partner. Whereas if they went off and, you know, had a fling with someone, they would probably be saying what they want, talking dirty, you name it, because there's less risk. There's less risk, right? I have to wake up with you the next morning. If I tell you, I want you to do this to me, are you going to shame me? Am I going to seem weird to you? And so we just don't. And one of the things I love that I do with couples is I have this, I think it's called like a sexual activity list. And it lists out, you know, uh, maybe 75 or 80 different sexual acts. You know, it'll say, you know, use a vibrator and then it'll say, uh, you know, have sex in public. And each person in the couple does it separately and then they get together and you rank things. Zero is absolutely over my dead body. Will I do that? (laughs) And five is can't wait. Let's go. When are we scheduling it? And everything in between. And so what I do is I hand couples this and I say, do this alone and then make a date to talk about it. Not in the bedroom, not in the moment, but just, you know, to talk about it. And then you find the overlap and, you know, that's how we learn. But God forbid we say, I would, you know, honey, I've been thinking and I want to have sex in a public place. But if I have to circle a number and I can communicate about it that way, it's so much safer. So I always say, make it safer. You don't want to say the words, text your partner. Hey, this is what I've been thinking about. Or I really liked it when you did, you know, X, Y, or Z last week, because you got to find a way in. It's the same thing I do with my teenagers. If I need to have a hard conversation with them, occasionally I will say, you know, I don't think this is going to go well. I could tell she was in a bad mood or I'm in a bad mood or whatever. And I'll just text it. Yeah. It's still communication. Right. And I think, you know, we kind of need, I mean, I remember a few years ago, you know, my patients would say, well, you know, I was talking to so-and-so and I, you know, imagine them on the phone. And of course they weren't talking on the phone. They were texting because that's talking. So we got to meet people where they are. Um, I I definitely used to kind of look down on texting. And again, I am not saying it's okay to break up over text or to, as for, you know, or I mean, there are a million things that are not appropriate for texting, but if it's going to help you be courageous, go for it. 
go for it. Oh my gosh. So that's definitely the title of this podcast because courageous courage is contagious. Contagious. I love that. That's so amazing. The other thing, like, gosh, there's so much. I definitely am going to invite you back for a sex talk because folks need that. And I feel like there's so much healing. Even this morning, I'm going to get a little vulnerable this morning. I was feeling away and I couldn't really identify my feelings. And I'm pretty good about identifying my triggers and what's going on, but I couldn't identify it. So I went into prayer because that's my first place. And then I got in the shower because that's my second place. I hear very good with water. (laughs) Yep. And then. I went into the bedroom back to my husband because I'm like, through one of these things, I'm going to get some release. And so it was just amazing to be able to be vulnerable. And I've, you know, being a person that experienced a lot of sexual trauma, I'm so proud of myself to be able to use sex in a good, like healing way. And so I I know that I want to have you back to help my ladies and help the listeners, men and women, because I know I got a bunch of secret men listeners to uh-huh. help them really unpack um, what sexual, asexual um, positivity is all about mm-hmm. and how we mm-hmm. can truly be vulnerable in our sex life. Let's get into this art therapy. It sounds, is it, is it a therapy? Yeah, yeah. It's a treatment. It's an evidence-based treatment modality uh, that uses rapid eye movement and by, excuse me, bilateral brain stimulation to change the way the brain stores traumatic images and sensations in the body. Um, It is, if your listeners have heard of EMDR, it is similar to EMDR. There are some differences, which I can get into in a little, in a little bit, but, but basically um, art, it kind of uses two processes. One is um, the sort of rapid eye movement to change the images. And then uh, we, change the sensations in the body, improve both of those things. And then we store what, what we want in the brain because wow. the brain actually doesn't need uh, reality. It needs a different story. It needs a different ending. It needs something else. Um, and it will hold on to that if you use the eye movement to settle. Because what, what, they, what they found is that rapid eye movement um, basically promotes relaxation. It, it's, there's a trigger in the brain where it, it stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system, right? So you go into fight, flight, or freeze around trauma or anything upsetting or overwhelming. And um, your parasympathetic nervous system just goes offline completely. So this therapy gets it back online while you're working through a series of, you know, uh, a protocol. Mm. Um, And then we use voluntary image replacement to uh, replace all those negative images. It is the most exciting thing I've ever done in my career. I know I sound like a, you know, snake oil salesman. I get it. I hate that I sound that way. And yet I won't stop. I won't stop sounding that way because it is truly both science and magic, both. Mm -hmm. And I see it every single day because we do know a lot about it and how it works from the brain, but some, we don't know every single thing, right? It's still, a you know, uh, it's been around. Lainey Rosenzweig um, created ARD. She's a therapist in uh, Connecticut 
And in 2008, she created art and has been fine tuning it and making it um, something for the, the world to share. I think there are between six and 7,000 art practitioners in the world, mostly in the US and Canada. And we're growing. And I want to encourage any licensed mental health professional to get trained in this modality. It is really radical in terms of how fast the shifts can happen. Um, I mean, you know, I have, you, you, you shared your own, you know, uh, sexual abuse history or sexual trauma. And I appreciate that. First of all, that vulnerability, but actually art has worked better on sexual trauma than anything else. I don't know why, but I've worked with a number of women who've been sexually assaulted or, you know, molested for years as children, and they get healing in one session, in one 60 minute session. They have a smile on their face at the end of the session, whereas in the beginning of the session, they may have been almost having a panic attack because they're thinking about what happened to them. So I think it's what you said, Brooke, like, gosh, there's so much good stuff. And I was like, gosh, I do not want to interrupt because this is like, Mm -hmm. I'm so fascinated. I am like a lover of anything that heals. And you said something that I feel like this. So the work that I do, it's really hard for me to, I, I can't, you know, as a mental health practitioner, we know that everything has to be evidence-based, but I believe that there's just some things that you feel and you know that this works. You can't really explain it. You don't know how, but you just know this is, and people always say it's like magic. And I'm like, if that's what you want to call it, but what you said is our brain doesn't need reality. It needs a different story. And I think so often with sexual abuse, traditional clinicians and nothing against them, love them. Those are our family, you know, in this field. However, I think that there's so much trying to get to the reality and helping them to remember. And and really, if we just gave our, our brain a different picture right before we got on, I was working with a client and she said, um, she didn't know why she was feeling so overwhelmed. And so, and so I just asked her, what was last year like? And I don't know how I came up with this, but I'm just like, what? And then she's like, I was moving. I like all these things. So in her body, her body's telling this story. She's giving her brain this picture. And I'm like, you don't, it that's, but that's not the real, that's not really what's happening. So let's, let's give ourselves something new to, and it was instant. Like when we first got on, she's like heavy, she's depressed, she's down by the end of our session, she's laughing, she's light. She's this is revolutionary. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. How have you, how has it changed you? Because Mm -hmm. I believe that a lot of things that we practice, we're first kind of the recipient of it. Yeah. And, and that's how I came to be an art practitioner. I uh, had a really traumatic breakup in 2017 and I was in my regular talk therapy and tried a few other modalities and I just wasn't moving through it um, in a, in a reasonable time really at all. And so someone mentioned this thing I had never heard of accelerated resolution therapy. And I said, you know, well, of course I'll try it. And I did two or three sessions um, and I got better and I didn't have, I wasn't traumatized in the same way. I had, I let go of some of the mental pictures I had of our breakup of, 
of the trauma. And um, I was like, well, I mean, let's do this, you know, let's, let's get trained in this. And it's, um, you know, a three day training, and I did it. And I've been practicing ever since. Um, I will say, though, in the first few years in after I was trained in 2018, I wasn't used. Well, actually, there was only two years and then there was a pandemic. So I wasn't using it much. But I now use it with almost every patient I've already been working with and certainly with new people. I mean, many people now specifically come to me for art. And what's really cool is it's a great thing to know about for even if you don't want to be trained in it, it's great for you to know about because you can get stuck with, you know, a trauma client or anything, a client who just can't get past a divorce or just whatever this depression is just, you know, hasn't been treated like she's not getting better. He's not getting better. And you can send your your patient to an art practitioner just to work for a couple sessions on this one thing. Mm -hmm. And so people refer to me all the time. I'm working with a woman now. She's doing great work with her therapist. She's been seeing her for a long time, but it's been eight years since her divorce. And she cannot think about it without crying, getting completely overwhelmed and flooded and terrible feelings in her body. And so we're going to work for a few sessions and I'm, I'm, I feel confident we'll get, we'll, she'll get better um, and be able to let go of, you know, in, and again, in art, we say, keep the knowledge, lose the pain. So it's not that you forget, you know, it's not hypnosis whatsoever. You are in full control. You know exactly what's happening the whole time. And, um, but you don't, you don't forget the facts. But it's like your relationship with it is totally different now. And so, um, you know, what kind of used to be like in my face, this trauma was in my face, is like now at the other, you know, side of the room that I can point out and go, yeah, yeah I mean, like, okay, I, it was a breakup. It was really hard. But I have no feelings associated with it anymore that are upsetting. Gone. And I mean gone. Gosh, this is like a God thing. I'm so excited yeah. and so excited for this work that you are doing on this planet because it is so needed. You know, um, again, nothing against traditional therapy, but I know folks that have been for years yep. still the same thing. And then they come to me and I always tell them the work that I do is like, um, therapy on steroids because we're going to yeah. get it. We're not, I, I don't, I don't want to waste time on yeah the why and all like, oh, the why is important in the first session. We'll get through that, but let's move past that. And let's get to you being, you know, we're not human doing so therapy yeah. doing, but we're beings let's be, let's do the things. I love this work that you're doing. And I know that you have some, probably some openings. Is it now, do you do telehealth? Is it all virtual or how does this work? Um, I do both. I do it. It works. Uh, it works uh, equally well, actually, uh, whether in person or, um, you know, teletherapy. Um, I like in person much better because I really do want to feel quite connected. Um, and I think there's a little less connection virtual. It's just my opinion. I know some therapists love it. It's just how I roll. I really get a lot of energy from people and I like to see their whole bodies. Um, but it works, you know, equally well for, for either one. And, um, 
You know, I always tell people the worst thing that happens is you tried something new and it didn't work and you don't have to go for 20, 30 sessions. I ask people to come for two. One, the first session to really get it and get the eye movements and kind of get it down and understand the protocol. And then I do ask them to come back for one more. Um, And then if, you know, they didn't like it, they don't have to come back. But I think sometimes their anxiety is so much lower when they're coming in the second time and the eye movements are easier and and that sort of thing. Um, But I really think it's just so exciting about how we're going to be using bilateral brain stimulation all the time now, whether it's, you know, vagus nerve stuff, exercises, I mean, or um, just moving your eyes back and forth or tapping. It's so exciting and it does heal and it heals fast. And, you know, and again, I love talk therapy. This is what I've done my, you know, my entire career. I love it. But at a certain point, talking doesn't, you have to get at it differently and you have to get at it somatically and through the brain. And that's not always understanding the why. images and storing the good ones in the brain. That's the root work, right? I love talking about getting to the root and what you're doing is definitely root work. I I cannot wait for you to share how, you know, folks can get in contact with you, how they can, you know, learn more about this practice. And so I, I would love for you to share just how folks can follow you online websites, all that good stuff, because what you are doing is truly healing. And I love to endorse folks that are out here doing the real work and helping folks heal. So tell us more where we can get in contact with you. Yeah. So um, uh, most probably people would want to just go to my website, which is brookbraylove.com. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Psychotherapy, and uh, it's. be B therapy B. I can't remember now. <laughs> Let's scratch that. Can we start that again? Hold on. I literally have to look. What is isn't that funny? Okay, love psychotherapy. I just want to see what my TikTok is. Oh, be brave. Let's like, okay. Can I try that again? That whole thing. Yeah. So the easiest way to get in touch with me is through my website, brookbraylove.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, Brooke Braylove Psychotherapy and TikTok, Be Braylove Psychotherapy. Um, And you can find out, um, you know, all about art through my website, but also you can go to artworksnow.com or acceleratedresolutiontherapy.com. And um, they, Lainey has a wonderful TED Talk. There are lots of videos on there from people who've had successful treatment through art. Um, Again, really encouraging therapists to look into the training. Lainey gives a a once a month intro to art for therapists who are thinking about being trained. Um, you can also find out information about my Daring Greatly workshops for women, which are two and a half uh, day intensives, and also, you know, offering sex therapy and, uh, you know, really just um, trying to help people where they're at and use a, a different approach to get at things more quickly. 
Wow. Thank you so much, Brooke. We're definitely going to have all the links in the show notes for you guys to get in contact with all the amazing things that Brooke is doing, especially if you're in that area that she's at. The in-person sessions, I'm sure, are revolutionary, and they are going to really help you heal those things that you hide and that are you know hidden. So let's make sure that we get in contact with Brooke. I want to ask one uh, last question um, that has kind of been burning is how does a person know if this is right for them? So what are maybe some key indicators that maybe I should try this? Mm-hmm. So our, I mean, first of all, is for anyone. And if you don't actually, it's not just trauma. It works on addiction, um, eating disorders chronic pain, chronic illness, depression, anxiety, OCD, phobias, relationship issues. I mean, I have someone who wanted, who came in, she just wants to not react poorly when she talks to her ex-husband and we've completely changed that relationship. So that wasn't, you know, exactly trauma-based, but we just, she's doesn't have the same response at all anymore. Um, and so I I think one thing is certainly if you've tried other therapies, you've talked about it a lot, you've worked on it, you've done the work in therapy is definitely for people like that. But it's also for people who maybe are their trauma is so severe that they really do not want to talk about the beauty of art is there's very little talking. So you, you are, it's not exposure therapy. You do not have to keep talking about it over and over again. And a lot of people are sick of it. They've talked about it with different therapists over the years, and they don't want to share their whole story. I do get a sense of it in the intake session because I want to help you. Therefore, I need to know what you're working on. But frankly, I could also still help you if I knew nothing about what you were working on. I can still help you. Um, so it's really for anybody, um, but specifically, I think it's the people who, who've really lost hope. Um, and this provides hope right away. I love it. I love it. I love you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing. I know that this, my community is going to absolutely love this. I can hear the DMs already. I can sense them already. So you guys make sure that you reach out to Brooke and you're following her on all her socials visit the website, get more information. Listen, it is courage is contagious. As you do this work, we literally help other folks heal. We, it's like passing a baton and telling our aunts, our sisters, our daughters, our cousins, our friends, that it's okay for them to do the healing work as well. Thank you so much, Brooke, for being on TWT family until next week. Bye-bye.